and it's my honor to present the National Championship Trophy once again to Coach Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Kirby, what a spectacular performance. You talked about aggression. You talked about leaving no doubt. Now that you've accomplished back-to-back -back championships, how do you describe the legacy that this team leaves? This Bulldog Nation leaves a legacy for coming all the way out to Cali and representing our home university in our state. These kids have been unbelievable all year. People have doubted them since the start of the year, and the staff, the organization, everybody's done a tremendous job. When you think about what it took to keep the focus going and the difficulty, which you know better than anyone else, how difficult it is to repeat, what, in, what quality did this team show that allowed them to do that? A lot of grit, uh, a lot of toughness, but the word we use around our place is connection. Every one of our guys know we stay connected, we're hard to beat. You're hard to beat tonight. That was as good a championship performance as we've seen in any sport in a long time and perhaps ever. Kirby, congratulations. And I guess the way things are going the last couple of years, we'll see you in Houston next year. <laughs> Go dogs. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. Go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And this is a special episode, of course, because them Georgia Bulldogs just won back-to-back -back national championships. Now, you may be saying, where's Cousin Shane? <laughs> well, the Tennessee homer's in bed already. We'll get him on the next episode, share his thoughts on the national championship. But we're recording here 11 o'clock Central Time, midnight East Coast time. But wanted to get this pod out there because we got to celebrate them dogs. I mean, this was... I'm trying not to laugh calling this a ball game because it was just a complete and utter domination. I mean, Shane and I were both heavy on the dogs, if you listened. Hell, Shane accurately predicted the first score of the game. Appreciate everybody that reached out and congratulated Shane. He was pretty fired up that he nailed it exactly. But Stetson Bennett, with the he said a 25-yard run. It was a 21-yard run to open the ball game. Here's how Georgia started the game in the first half. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. And that was just the first half. Georgia literally only got stopped one time in the entire ball game, and it was the first possession of the second half. 65-7. to I'll say it again. Georgia wins their second consecutive National Championship by beating TCU 65-7. to Get the hell out of here with that frog talk. Can you believe there were idiots that thought TCU was going to win this game? Not many, but there were. But there were quite a few out there in the national media. And what do we say? I mean, it, to predict TCU was going to uh, win this game, you were not going off of any logic. You were just a hope and a prayer is basically what this was. But, man, the storybook 
ending here for Stetson Bennett, MVP once again of the national championship game. Six touchdowns, and he got taken out fairly early in the fourth quarter. Four passing touchdowns, 304 passing yards on 18 of 25 attempts, two rushing touchdowns. Credit Georgia's outstanding defense, as always, limited Max Duggan. A Heisman finalist, get the hell out of here. That guy, Georgia made him look like uh, he probably would have been one of the handful of worst quarterbacks in the SEC. Duggan, 152 passing yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. TCU had 36 rushing yards in the game. I mean, again, just utter, utter domination. Brock Bowers. Showed up big, seven catches, 152 yards, and a touchdown. And I believe that was all in the first half. They didn't even need their dynamic tight end in the second half. It was that big of a laugher. Georgia, 32 first downs in the game. TCU had nine. (laughs) Georgia averaged 8.2 yards per play. And the turnovers, I mean, that's would have been critical for TCU to pull off the shocker here. Zero turnovers for the Dogs, three turnovers for TCU, and that's how you get your brakes beaten off 65-7 to in a national championship game. The Dogs, 15-0, on the way back to Athens with another national championship trophy. I just talked to you when you walked off the field. There was a moment that the entire crowd is on their feet cheering for you giving you a curtain call in a national championship game. That doesn't happen often. What did you think when that happened? I, yeah, it does not happen. It does not happen with Coach Smart, I can tell you that. I mean, that was special. That was, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. He pulled you in and whispered something in your ear. What did he tell you? He just told me he loved me. And um, just the journey that we've been through together, um, you know, that dude right there, Rich, golly. I mean, just seeing everybody who was here from when I got here, and they're still here, and we're back to back, I don't know, just, yeah. For a kid from Blackshear, Georgia, what do you say to your hometown, all the people there who have believed in you from the very beginning? Well, it's God's country. It's the greatest place on earth, and it made it, it made me who I was today. That, Blackshear, Nahon, I gotta give Nahon a shout out too. I love those people. The Herons and the Bears, baby. They made me who I was. And I can't wait to get back there. And you're already starting to hear it. Them dogs. They can, could they go three for three? Oh, my God. I mean, Georgia, I don't want to say they'll be better. But they're going to be pretty damn good next season. And look at the schedule here. I brought this up. Oh, the hell I caught for throwing this up already. The 2023 schedule for them Georgia Bulldogs. UT Martin at home. Ball State at home. South Carolina at home. UAB at home. On the road, here we get tricky. Auburn, at Auburn, first year under Hugh Freeze, though, of course. Kentucky at home, at Vanderbilt, which is really at Georgia. I don't care where the game's played. It's going to be all dogs there in Nashville. You get the two weeks to prepare for Florida down in Jacksonville. Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home, at Tennessee. That's going to be your toughest game. And at Georgia Tech, Georgia is going to be favored by 14, at least 14, I'd say. In every single game next season until they get to the SEC championship, whoever they play, I mean, if you're getting tired of the dogs, buckle up, brother, because Kirby and company, 
They're going to be chasing that third national championship in three seasons, something not even Nick Saban has done. You know, it's been said on this show, it's been said on other shows, Georgia has surpassed Alabama. Next season will be that opportunity to prove it, but they'll have to do it without the mailman. Might have to finally insert a five-star quarterback with Carson Beck multiple years into the program. So, boy, man, just what a night for dogs out there. I feel feel great for all the – Fans that went out to L.A. to to win another big Georgia postseason game. Of course, they did for uh, the Oklahoma Rose Bowl overtime thriller. This was a different kind of thriller for the Georgia Bulldogs. But just, just complete and utter domination. And this game literally was over at the end of the first quarter. Georgia was up 17-7. to they were in complete control of the game. They essentially had one bust in the entire game. That led to TCU going over the top on a 51-yard pass to Davis, whoever the hell that is. He didn't do anything else the rest of the game, though, so that's why it's insignificant. But, I mean, 21-0 in the second quarter, 14-0 in the third, 13-0 in the fourth. I mean, this was basically like – you didn't even have to pay attention in the second half. Aside from Georgia st- getting stopped right out the gate, you thought, ooh. Kirby had warned them going into halftime. He said, we, we struggled in the third. TCU's been hot in the third. We got to watch out for it. So <laughs> I thought, maybe he's right. He was not right. Not on this night. This only thing Kirby got wrong. I mean, they were just they were on fire all night long. And if you missed it during the halftime, this was classic. Nick Saban on the set with David Pollock, ESPN halftime. Man, Nick Saban, he didn't say anything here, but you can tell he's burning up with these comments from David Pollock. And, and Georgia, obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really, that they've taken hold of college football. They've done an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. This isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys lose. Now, listen, the NFL can take its chunk out of any Hey, nothing he said there was inaccurate either. Georgia's taking a hold of college football, but to say that in front of the GOAT? Hmm. Alabama, what you going to do? What you going to do when the dogs come for you? <laughs> That's what Pollock basically did. He basically threw the gauntlet down, said, Saban, your time's over. Georgia, maybe. And remember, they're, they're getting Ron Ra Thomas, Dominique Lovett, another what, number three recruiting class? Maybe four. I can't remember where Georgia finished, but it's going to be elite. Chock full of five stars, four star players. Reinforcements on the way. They'll probably add some more gems via the transfer portal. And yes, they're going to be losing some key players to the NFL, no doubt. But I'm ready to reveal my debut 2023. SEC power rank. He's already threw it up on Twitter, already getting people mad in the mention. So let's go over again, very early. I get it. And if you're new to the power rankings, you shouldn't be by this point in time. Team A meet Team B on a neutral field. Who am I taking to win the game? And I've already put this list out and I'm already getting well. This team already beat that team and they beat them on the road. That's last season. Completely. Blank slate, everybody's 
zero and zero heading into 2023. We still don't know who's declaring for the draft. That deadline's January 16th. We still got the portal. We still got a little bit of recruiting. We still got some coaching coaching changes that will happen. I get all of that. So I'm taking a, a shot in the dark on a lot of these. But having said all that, let's have some fun. Mention all 14 SEC teams here. Number 14, no surprise, the Vanderbilt Commodores. Again, you're getting more respect. You won two SEC conference games. It was tough to even put you this low. Vanderbilt, you keep trending in the right direction. I'm just a little disappointed you lost some key players to the transfer portal. How will that affect you in 2023? We'll find out. But until further notice, until you add maybe some pieces via the transfer portal, which is tough. I don't think Clark Lee... I don't know. I don't know that that's really a, a route they want to go in. They're more of a recruit and develop, and I don't blame them. But Vanderbilt, you're competitive. That's what you want to be. Let's see you take the next step before you go any further on this list. Now, number 13, already catching hell for this. Missouri Tigers. And hell, if you listen to the last episode, I said, who could be the SEC team that makes a TCU-like jump? Even though you probably don't want to be compared to TCU after what we just saw. But Missouri, I still got you there. And a lot of it's got to do with drink. And he's entertaining. I hope it works out. I'm not saying it won't. But when he's supposed to be this offensive mind and the offenses was holding you back, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Quarterback is potentially a problem. You need to get solutions there. Love the offensive coordinator you just hired. Defense. One of the better units in the SEC, no doubt. But college football is an offensive game now. You got Luther Burden. You got some nice pieces here. Offensive line is a huge, huge question mark in my opinion. So a long way to go for Missouri. Right now I got you 13th heading into 2023. And again, this is all going to change with spring and transfer portal and on and on and on. But right now, Missouri, you're 13. Number 12, man, this fan base – they're sky high right now. They're freezed out down there with Hugh Auburn Tigers, number 12 in my debut SEC power rankings. And I get it. They're killing it on the recruiting trail. That doesn't always translate immediately. They're doing well via the transfer portal as well. It's going to be instant impact, but we're still hunting for a quarterback. That's a missing piece right there. Maybe it is Robbie Ashford, but they're clearly not – they're not out on him, but they're not enamored with him either. They're they're working hard to add pieces, particularly at quarterback. Their offense and defensive line of scrimmage is going to be two of the biggest uh, question marks in the SEC. That's not going to get corrected overnight. So some big pieces here. The future's bright under Hugh Freeze on the plains, but for now, I got you 12th in the SEC. Number 11. Again, I'm not ready to be out on your coach either. But we just went through essentially a year zero. I got the Florida Gators, number 11, until further notice. We need to see who steps up here at the quarterback position. Team getting complete roster turnover this offseason. Probably should have been done last offseason. Like I said, year zero, where we essentially went a year without learning much. Billy Napier, is this too big for him? I don't think it is. 
He just did a hell of a job on the recruiting trail, particularly if you look at the average rating per recruit they just landed. They'd have a top five class if you did that. So you're going in the right direction. But considering who you're going up against on a weekly basis in the conference, you're going to need to do that about twice more to be competitive, at least competitive on the level you want to be at. So we're moving in the right direction, a little bit disturbed by how last season ended, but that could all be turned around in a single season. Number 10, Ole Miss. And I I always have a hard time predicting Ole Miss. I always discount them in the offseason. Lane Kiffin and company, they do a hell of a job. I realize things didn't go well at the tail end of the season. That's probably why I've got them all the way down here at number 10. But would not surprise me at all if, once again, Ole Miss – is one of the better teams in the league after a month, two months in the season. I think Lane Kiffin is being disrespected, and even maybe by me a little bit. That guy always comes out ready to play, overachieves year in, year out. Jackson Dart, if he takes a big step forward, this is going to be a dangerous team. Judkins, already one of, if not the best, running back in the SEC defense. Still a huge question mark. So until further notice, this feels about right, number 10 for Ole Miss. Number nine, Arkansas. A lot of questions there with the Razorbacks, but I'm still, I'm all in on KJ. Ken O'Brien's, love Sam Pittman. This defense, though, complete mystery. They're going to have to rework it big time via the transfer portal. Who's going to step up at receiver? I know we're already adding some pieces there, but uh, this offensive line's got to get a lot tougher. They were not the strength I thought they would be. So, you know, Arkansas, they could rise, they could fall. I mean, right here, number nine, mid in the SEC. I think that's kind of what they are until further notice. And, hell, I I think at this point you'd rather be underrated than overrated. Like I kind of overrated the Razorbacks heading into last season. They've got a lot to prove, but they've got some key pieces that can get them where they need to go. Number eight. Texas A&M. I'm trying not to go too far with the hype train, but the, I mean, the ceiling is the, there is no ceiling on this program with all the talent they have. This could be next year's LSU. Kind of come out of nowhere. Bobby Petrino, been very clear how excited I am about that. DJ Durkin needs to clean things up a little bit. Defense kind of fell off a cliff here late in the season. You're still doing a good job in recruiting. Depth may be an issue. Youth may be a little bit of an issue. It certainly was last season. All those players need to take a big step forward if Texas A&M is going to compete for an SEC West title like those fans expect. Jimbo, not quite on the hot seat, but on, uh, you know, the first time they drop a game, everybody's going to jump on them, probably myself included. So how does that affect the locker room? How does that affect the program? Again, a lot to prove for Texas A&M next season. They've got all the pieces. They've got some of the best fans. They've got one of the best home fields in college football. No reason to be losing all these games with all the talent you got. A little wild card here. People surprised by this, but I'm going number seven, Mississippi State under Zach Arnett. Big fan of uh, what he's doing already. I love the fact that he's blowing up on the offensive side of the ball. I, th- I thought we got a little stagnant here. And, hey, we all love Mike Leach. Not Never say a bad word about the guy. 
ever moving forward. But as great as Will Rogers has been, and I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, I can't believe there's fans speculating that we need to move on. That's stupid. But at times, the offense has been kind of slogged down, I guess, if you if you want to say. And it's been the defense. It's been Zach Arnett's defense that's been kind of stepping up in critical situations. So I like a lot of the pieces we got on offense. I just think we need a, a little jolt there. And it remains to be seen who they're going to hire at the offensive coordinator. Had I known that, maybe I put them a little bit higher. But, uh, again, Will Rogers got some good weapons at receiver. The offensive line has been fairly strong. Mississippi State, I think they're going to be one of the biggest surprises in the SEC next season. Speaking of surprises, this is really surprising, people, but I guess some people don't pay attention. Number six, Kentucky. I get it. The wheels fell off a little bit this season, but we're addressing our big issues, bringing in Devin Leary, bringing in Ray Davis, shores up two of the biggest deficiencies we had losing players to the NFL, adding pieces on the offensive line. We're getting player after player after player committing to returning for six seasons there in Kentucky, and the defense wasn't the problem. As long as the defense can maintain their level, I mean, we're talking top 15, top 20 defense in the country. We just need a jolt on offense, and Liam Cohen is going to bring it to Lexington. So I'm very high right now on the prospects of what Kentucky can do on the field next season. Now we're getting into the top five here. These fans are fired up in a little bit of a projection here, but I'm going South Carolina, number five in the SEC. And why is that a projection? Because we still don't know what Spencer Rattler is officially going to do. Juice Wells just announced he's coming back. We've already got the left tackle announced he's coming back. All signs point to Spencer Rattler coming back for one more season. And frankly, I think he needs it. He's shown at times he can be elite. He's shown at times he needs a lot of work if he wants to be a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. Who better to learn from than Dow Loggins, who's been in the NFL a number of years as an offensive coordinator. I think that keeps you... That helps you keep Spencer Rattler for another season. Elite special teams. Defense needs to take a step forward if they're going to be this high on the list. But I got faith in Clayton White to get that done. So right now, I like South Carolina, number five in the SEC. Number four. This could change. This could change in a heartbeat. Some moves got to be made, though. Alabama, all the way down here at number four in the SEC. I anticipate one, if not two, coordinator changes. Just lost arguably the best defensive player in the country. Lost the best quarterback in the country. Lost our running back. Offensive line is an issue. I mean, there's so many issues with Alabama right now. We're just all assuming because it's Alabama that they're going to get it corrected. And they probably will. But I'm assuming nothing. I'm going off the data we have, who we got coming back, transfer portal, I assume is is still going to pay off big for Alabama. They'll land some big-time coaches, I would assume, and then maybe that changes things. But right now, I got Alabama number four in the SEC until further notice. So now we're into the top three. It's wild how things change because I put Tennessee number three, and by God, Vols are pissed. <laughs> Number three in the SEC. That makes you a top five team potentially in the country. 
but that ain't good enough for a lot of them Vols. But hey, we got some question marks here. I think the defense will take a step forward. I really do. But the secondary remains an issue. I think the front seven could be pretty nasty for the Vols. Joe Milton, still not totally convinced he's the answer. I think he showed us something in the Orange Bowl, though. I'm going to do a deep dive on that later. But I'm not saying he's a liability by any means. But we do got some holes to fill. Two of our best receivers off to the NFL. Two of our best linemen off to the NFL. And, of course, Hendon Hooker, star of the show, off to the NFL. I got faith in Josh Heupel. He's going to have a high-flying offense. I think they'll take a slight step back. But, again, top three in the SEC, you got a hell of a team here. And, hell, I picked Tennessee third in the East last year. So who in the hell cares what I think on Rocky Top? (laughs) They were one of the best teams in the country. No one had Tennessee win an 11. Just imagine what Josh Heupel can do with another year of depth, another year of talent, of players that fit exactly what he wants to do. Tennessee is going to be a hell of a dangerous team next season. So number two, LSU. I love what they're doing in LSU. Brian Kelly did a masterful job. Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, I don't care who the quarterback is. I think they're going to have a potent, potent offense. Love the receivers. Offensive line, huge question mark entering the season. It's one of the strengths of the team now. That's the type of – and they're doing it with two freshmen, true freshmen offensive tackles. Those players should only be better. Harold Perkins, if he's not the best defender, he is the best defender in the SEC. He may be the best defender in the nation. Mason Smith coming back. I mean, we've got some key pieces here on LSU's defense. I think LSU under Madhouse is going to be a much, much stronger defense. Still got some questions, but they are – Killing it in the transfer portal. I think they brought in four or five defensive linemen already to shore up because we're losing some players to the NFL. I, I just love that they're building through the trenches in the transfer portal. When you bring in five defensive linemen, you're going to get some impact there, no doubt. They're not all going to hit, but uh, two or three, four of them hit. You're going to have a nasty defensive front to go along with what you already got in Wingo who's all SEC defensive lineman, Mason Smith, who everybody up there was saying was the best player on the team till he went down. You got him on the defensive line returning, got hurt in the first game of the season. I think LSU is primed for big things under Brian Kelly. So, of course, no surprise, Georgia Bulldogs, number one. Until further notice, I mean, they're number one, not only in the SEC, number one in the country. Hell, that's what we led the show off with, going – They're going to try to go three for three next season. It's going to be a new quarterback. It's going to be some new pieces all around. But all Georgia does is reload. This was supposed to be, like Nick Saban says, that was a a rebuilding year. This was supposed to be the rebuilding year in Athens. And they just went 15-0, essentially untested. Missouri and Ohio State were only teams that touched them. And they just clobbered TCU in one of the – the biggest beatdowns I've ever seen in my life in a championship setting. Georgia, number one. They may just be the first team to win three national championships in damn near 100 years. That's how good them dogs are. 
But that's hey, I think that's a perfect way to end this one. Again, Cousin Shane will be back on the next episode, share his thoughts on the national championship. But congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs back-to-back. Think about it. You waited 41 long years to win that national championship. Hell, the way they played um, on Monday night here, it may be 41 years before someone beats the Bulldogs again. (laughs) But enjoy this one. Hey, you're the kings of the world. You got bragging rights all off season long. That must be nice. Enjoy it. Get you another ring. Drink you another one on us. But that's going to do it on this episode of the show. Appreciate each and every one of you sticking with us this entire college football season. We'll catch you on the next one. It's what we want to do. We're, not, we're, we're going to hunt tonight.